Good morning, High Point Church. <laughs> the scripture passage this morning is in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. If you'd like to follow along with the Bibles in the pew in front of you, um, the passage is found on page 1861. Again, 1 John 5, verses 1 through 5. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Thanks, Becca. How's everyone? Good, good. I hope you're uh, enjoying even, even a little bit of the rainy uh, weather. My uh, grass is starting to get a little parched. I don't know about, uh, if you, do you water anybody who own homeowner that waters their grass? Okay, most people don't, and I don't, I don't either, I don't either. But I don't like, I don't like the fact that it gets kind of dry and, and, and parched. And uh, plus I got these two automatic uh, 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 guys to cut the grass right over here. And so, I, you know, rain, rain isn't a problem for me, so I like lots of rain. Uh, but I do hope that you are enjoying the weather as it gets uh, better. My name is Lloyd Biddle. I am uh, one of the pastors at uh, High Point Church, uh, and I'm just delighted to be with you all this morning. Um, we have been speaking on the subject of a secure standing in Christ and how that comes about. Let's start with prayer and we'll jump right in. Lord, we um, desire to comprehend how it is one can have assurance of faith more and more. And in the book of John, that is the reason why he has written to us, uh, to assure us of our faith in, in Christ. And if we're not, if we don't know Christ, to clearly articulate the marks of a believer and the responsibilities of a believer so that those who don't know you can understand precisely the joys and benefits and responsibilities of faith. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would continue that work uh, in this morning's uh, sermon. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we are talking about secure standing. Uh, today I want to focus on how we as believers can overcome the world. That is uh, one of the key statements in our text. Um, and um, this, uh, what, what we have been talking about primarily in this series in terms of knowing your assurance is this whole notion of being born of God, uh, of being what theologians call converted. Uh, once not being in relationship with God, and then after faith and repentance, being in intimate relationship with God. Once not really having any power 
to obey scripture and then afterwards having the power of Jesus who raised the dead to help you with obedience. Once not really being able to articulate what is righteousness, then being able to have fellowship with the one who is righteous. So we've been talking about that, uh, that kind of assurance in the text. And the fundamentals of that are knowing God, knowing Jesus as Savior, loving God, loving Jesus as Savior, and loving God's children. That's plainly there in the text. In fact, that love is, is given to us. It's not something that we can just like conjure up for ourselves. When that spiritual rebirth happens, when the Spirit of Christ comes upon us, the love of God works in us. And it's through the love of God that, that I love my wife and my children. And it's through the love of God that I love you. That I love you. I've got to rely on what God has done. Amen? And so that's the first thing is that we've got to love Jesus, God, Jesus, and our children. And secondly, in terms of our insurance, we've got to obey God's commands. These are the clear marks. Uh, If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you will love God, you will love God's children. Obedience, belief, love, obedience. Okay, and so, so that's, the, that's what Nick has been focusing on. Today I want to focus on two points that um, are kind of newer territory. One is this, this area of obedience is love for God. And this area, this other area is how is it that faith overcomes the world? As I, as I, as I look at these, these are not concrete enough for me. What I want to do in this, in this uh, sermon is make them concrete so that you can better experience life in Christ. That's my objective. Obedience is love for God. I just feel like um, it's nice it's there in the text, but I recognize that I can love my wife and children, and I can love you, but, uh, uh, and I don't feel like there needs to be any obedience involved in that. It, it doesn't, it's not immediately intuitive how obedience equals love. But I think that there is, it, it is true, God has said it, and I think it bears paying some attention to dig into why is it? Why is it that obedience equals love? And one of the best places to find that out is another of John's writings, John chapter 15, verses 7 through 11, where Jesus gives us an example in his words to show us, to clearly demonstrate why it is that obedience is, is love. He says this, if you remain in me, he says, if you stay connected in, in me, if you stay in right relationship with me, and my words remain in you. And if you go to Kent's class and dig into the word or study on your own and obey it, and my words obey, uh, remain in you, he says, you will ask what you wish, you will pray, and you will pray in, al- in alignment with what God has said and with who Jesus is, and he's gonna, it'll be given to you. When you pray in his will, it'll be given to you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the command that is good. This is the way in which the Father has loved Jesus Christ and sending him to the world. It was the same way. He gave them his word. Jesus obeyed it. He prayed. His prayers were answered. He produced fruit. He glorified the Father. In the same way, Jesus loves us. The same methodology. And so that's what verses 9 and 10 say. As as the Father has loved me, 
So seven and eight just demonstrate that. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, he says, remain in my love, stay in connection, obey my words. If you do this, if you do these things, you will remain in my love. And just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So, the commands produce three things that, in my mind, prove that obedience and love. They produce fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. This is about new people coming to the faith. This is about righteousness and and joy and peace and love. This is about repaired marriages. I got a friend of mine who's been married 25 years in Denver, and he called me up kind of hysterical, uh, and good friends since college, and it was a little, it was urgent, he said, Lloyd, I need you to call me back. And I was like, it must be, I don't know, what, this, what is this about? I called him back, and he says, listen, Lloyd, he said, my marriage is in really bad repair. It's in really dire straits, and, uh, and I need your help. I know you are, I've known him for years, and I left American family to go into ministry. So I, I know you follow, I know, I know you're serious about scripture. Can you help me? So I said, okay, David. Asked him some questions, are you in church? Are you in the Word? He's like, no. He said, my wife is a bigger spiritual leader than I. And I was like, oh, I got to walk you through what the scriptures have to say about marriage. And we pulled out the meaning of marriage, uh, Tim Keller's new book. And we walked, I walked him through how, how the gospel applies to marriage. And in week after week, he came back with better testimonies. Lloyd, I'm getting along with my son, who we've been at odds. I've been trying to mold him into me, and I was saying, no, we got to mold him into Jesus. How many of you parents know you can't, you know, it took me 20 years to figure that out with my kids. You you, we have to mold them to be like Christ, not us. I said, David, that's the, you, got the wrong, you got the wrong objective. And so let me show you how molding them to be like Jesus is far superior, and they'll get less resistance. And he started seeing less fights. And he, with his wife, he was like, you know, I, we're just fighting all the time. I said, you know, David, you, you, have to, you have to sacrifice for her. You have to love and tender. And he starts seeing changes go on in his life. And his, his, his relationship changed over. I'm talking about fruitfulness. I'm talking about improved and enhanced marriages. I'm talking about uh, fruitfulness. I'm also talking about glorifying God. So here's what's happened. It's been not even nine weeks, and at his church in Denver now, at his local church, other couples who don't, who've been struggling in their marriage are going to David. They said, David, we've seen your marriage change, and something different is going on, and we have problems. Can you coach us? We're talking about how God expands his glory. His word is so good, it does such great things in our lives that the fame of it spreads. And that's how others come into Jesus. When, when, when people see in us the results of righteousness, that's attractive, and it attracts other people. I'm talking about glorifying Jesus. And so this is what has happened, that now, People are coming to him, and he's like, Lloyd, I was like, well, you got the book, you have the meaning of marriage book, and you have the Bible, and you know what text we went through, and, and you, can, you can glorify God in this. And then the last thing it does is it leads to joy. And so my wife gives me her cell phone. David's wife sends him a message, sends her a message. 25 years, they're in Florida celebrating, and the message had her in tears, something like this. Uh, in, in December, I thought we were done. I, I, I just didn't see where we were going. But now I rejoice in what has happened. It's nothing short of a miracle. And she says this to my wife, and she's almost in tears, and I'm almost in tears because 
This is what God's word does. And I had a little part in that. I can rejoice in that. And so when we look at fruitfulness, when we, when we look at uh, glory, and when we look at joy, what I'm saying to you is that this is why obedience is love. This is what it produces, and this is why obedience is love. And this is why you, we, obedience is not burdensome. There is this uh, temptation that I fall into, and I think you might be guilty of this too. It, uh, I read this quote from Eric Alexander. I want to share it with you. This is something we need convicting of. God's commands are not burdensome. Most of us have a secret conviction deeply held, but seldom confessed. We believe that the commandments and laws of God are somehow limiting in our lives, you know, somehow impoverishing in our experience. Think about kids that go to college, and they may be in Christian homes, right, or, or, or not, and, but when they get to college, they say, I gotta I got live now, I gotta, I gotta do my own thing, I got, I'm missing something, I've been missing something all these other years, right? This is the lie of, of the devil, that by self-gratification, gratifying the, your flesh, right, that they'll, they'll bring you joy and satisfaction. And even those of us who aren't 18 to 22 got to pay attention to this. There's just a little, you know, I've been married and it's getting bored. I've been doing the same thing in this righteous life and it's kind of dull. And I just don't, that's the lie of Satan. And I think, I think if you are honest with yourself, you will see that there's vestiges of this in your heart. That is why we need to understand and appreciate the glory and the joy and, and the fruitfulness that really comes in knowing and obeying the Word of God. We got to experience that for ourselves. And when we're not experiencing that for ourselves, we have to do a gut check. Because the scriptures say this, Oh, how I love your law. Oh, how I love the Word of God. I meditate on it day and all day long, day and night. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. So here's my question for you, uh, Christian. When is the last time you said that, or when is the last time you felt that? And if it's been a while, it's time for you to consider a gut check. And the gut check, the first gut check is what lies are you believing as opposed to Jesus is, is Lord and his word is good and precious. What, 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 what else are you believing other than that, those fundamental truths? So the first point is, is simply that obedience is love for God. Now here's the second point. Believers overcome the world by faith. 1 John 5, 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It's by faith that we enter into, um, that we can begin to know the Word of God and how precious it is. It's by faith that we learn to love our brother and sister. It's by faith that we have these deep, satisfying relationships in Christ that brings joy. It all starts with faith. By faith we recognize that love for Christ is the best way to live and not some other method. It's by faith that we overcome the world. And what is the world? 
What are we talking about? These are the forces that are at work that are against Christ. That make it so that you and I don't love each other. The, the, the forces at play that distract us from what God would say is holy and righteous and good and true. And so what forces would these be? What forces would these be? So 1 John 2, 15 and 17 gives us very specific instruction on these forces. And they're important for us to remember them. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. The material things not used and uh, uh, consistent with the word of God. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So here are the forces of the world that we need to overcome. They are the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride in possessions. So this could be summed up this way. What we don't have for, right, we desire. What we do have pups us up with pride. Uh, when I was uh, young and trying to build a career and uh, raise a family, uh, I saw all of my friends uh, moving into 3,000 square foot houses. And my wife and I lived in a starter home in Westchester, Illinois, a suburban house. And the magnetism towards that bigger house, I can't tell you what it was like. It was like, I, I just, I was born to have it, right? I mean, I was born to, I had to have it, even though it was a $3,000 mortgage, Joyby. And even though, it, you know, it, it, it was, I just had to have it. And, and I, I think if we look at America, and I think if we look at what they call the housing bubble, I don't think I was on my own. I think a lot of people bought stuff, maybe more than they should have had, not being content with what they could afford. And then, of course, the bondage of overspending that, that it comes, right? The world can drag you into bondage. The, the, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. So, so this is the, these are the things that you, even as Christians who know Jesus and recognize that it is true, that we are to, uh, to seek him first and all the other stuff comes second. Even uh, we have to be reminded that the pull of things is not, is not for us. It, it, it's, it's a deception, it's a lie. It isn't what is precious and holy and good. And this, it's the stuff that keeps us from loving each other. We love stuff, but where is God in all of that? And the truth is, we can't find him in all the stuff. But, so where can we find him? 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commandments. We can find God by prioritizing him and his ways. And we can find God in following the commands, especially those commands that teach us how to love and respect and care for each other. We can find God in righteous relationships. We can't find him in the abundance of things. 
And so it, it, it is impossible for us to find what God wants us to find outside of Christ and outside of his word. He's simply not in it. So how does faith overcome the world? It shows us that Jesus is greater than the cravings for the world. Faith allows us to see the superior value of what Jesus has done. And this is faith. Every Christian ought to be able to come and give testimony of how faith in God has overcome bondage in their life. Uh, I used the example earlier of kids going to uh, college and many kids experiencing kind of a crazy, wanton kind of life. Well, I was such a kid until in my early 20s, God pulled me out. Uh, when I came out, the first thing I had to admit was that kind of lifestyle wasn't going to work. Every one of us should have a testimony of how legitimate faith in Christ called you out of a lustful and sinful life. That's the faith that overcomes the world. That's the testimony that all of us sh should have. So faith in Christ ushers us into the life of love for God the Father, for Jesus and our brothers and sisters in Christ, and obedience to God's word that assures us salvation and overcomes godliness. And so I say to you this morning that being born of God is the greatest way to live. Being born of God and having the evidence of love for God, love for, for God's children and obedience is the way towards assurance. It's, the, it's a sure way for you to feel certain that you are in Christ. And it's the way of life for, for all of us. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we, um, we thank you that um, you have a better life for us than what we can accomplish on our own, in our own way and in our own power. And we confess that it doesn't always seem logical that obeying your word uh, is best for us. It doesn't, it's, it's not readily apparent. Uh, so help us, Lord, to to do it, to taste and see that your word is good, to taste and see through obedience the joy that is the result, the health in our families, in our relationships one to, a, to another, in our churches, the increase in, in, in spiritual health and in conversions in our church that comes uh, when we commit ourselves to you. And Father, we recognize that all of this, even our faith is is from you, it's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. We recognize that all of this starts with the work that is done by the Holy Spirit, convicting and converting. Yet we fully recognize that we have a choice to make in that, 
There's choosing that's necessary. Help us, remind us where we may have fallen short and help us to choose you again that we may experience the fruitfulness that we desire and that you desire to give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.